Ronananian. If you're not familiar with the vehicle, you're stuck on the side of the road. The simplest things, where's the owner's manual, where are the four ways, not having the phone number for the roadside service, AAA or whoever you're using programmed into the phone, that's just downright silly. The Car Doctor. When you're turning on the blower and the compressor, mm-hmm. that is a very high current draw, typically as high as 22 to 25 amps on a car of that age. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. I like the quiet times in a repair shop the best. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls, answer your questions, solve your problems. That's what this radio show is about and has been for the past 24 plus years. There's more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com as well as links to various websites. Among them, TuneIn, TuneIn.com, iHeartRadio, iHeart.com, iTunes, iTunes.com, the latter two of which you can both find podcasts of this radio show there and subscribe. And if you need me during the week, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. I like that quiet time in a repair shop. And it, it pops up at the oddest hours when you least expect it, right? And sometimes it's not at the end of the day. Sometimes it's dang right in the middle of the afternoon. Yesterday, Friday afternoon. I had to send Danny out. I had to send Harry out. The shop was empty. And my friend Dave, Dave owns, he is the local BMW guru uh, in the next town over in Wyckoff. And um, Dave had to come down. We had to do an inspection. And it was just two shop owners on a on a, on a quiet, busy, if you know what I'm saying, Friday afternoon. It, it, the conversation inevitably gets to be about business and, and customers and, and the usual things that two shop owners would talk about because I'm not a technician at that point. I'm the guy that signs the check. And I said, what do you think is wrong with the industry, Dave? I said, you know, if you had one thing that you could point out and say, yeah, this is really what's the problem, what would that be? And he thought about it for a minute. And he said, you know, Ron, the problem is the industry, not all of it, but just enough of it beats up customers and they're tough on customers. And he said, one of the things I tell people walking into my shop, this is Dave talking now, he said is, you should walk in here with an expectation that it could be the worst. And if it's not, be surprised. And you've got every reason in the world to think that I might cheat you. And I have to show you why I'm not going to and why I'm going to do the job right. And, you know, I thought about that. And I said, so, Dave, you're telling me that everybody walking into a repair shop should have a expect the worst scenario in their head. And he goes, yeah, he goes, because think about it. He goes, you and I know it. And he's right. I know it. Dave knows it. A lot of shop owners out there. We see it all the time. We see a lot of cars come in that are coming in from other repair shops, dealerships, chain stores, whatever, that have just been beat up and repaired incorrectly, which is why they're in the shop in those respective other shops in the first place. I guess the way I want to kick this hour of the car doctor off is, Maybe the way we need to look at auto repair 
it's kind of like a blind date. And you've got to think about those blind dates. And, you know, you sort of knew, for those of you that haven't dated in a while, uh, present company included, that, um, you know, gee whiz, you sort of knew 10 minutes in whether or not it was going to be, you know, whether there was going to be a second date or a third date. And I think the most important thing we possess as human beings is our gut instinct. And I think we have to rely on that more when we're dealing with any kind of service professional because I think that's the first indicator, you know, what would your gut tell you? And if your gut tells you, yeah, I don't think I want to get married and have kids with this person, then chances are you probably don't want them working on your car either. And um, I just want to put that thought in your head as we kick off this hour of the car doctor because maybe as Dave said, you know what, expect the worst. That way you'll really be surprised. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. I think my chief engineer, Tom Ray, is going to jump in here for a quick second. I can see well, the look I, on I his was face. just going to ask, does that mean I can't have you work on my car anymore? Well, I don't know. Is that possible? No. <laughs> so it, um, But, you know, you, you, you think about it. No, hey, Tom, come back a minute. So, you know, just think about this real quick. Hmm? If you didn't have me, and you, you, when you used to walk into a repair shop, what did you expect? How did that go for you? Because you, you didn't seem happy. You didn't come to me just because it's me. You came to me because you were looking for a mechanic. But what did the other guy do that just annoyed you? There had to be something. Well, there are a lot of uh, a lot of other guys that annoy me. I, I, I mean, I'm as you know, I'm not the normal customer. I'm not normal, period. Well, I'm not the normal customer because I tend to know a little more about, I'm, while I'm not an auto mechanic, I know a bit about cars. And I kind of know when you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes. And Ron Anian doesn't do that to me. Other people do. They try to sell you things they don't need. They try to to, to talk you into things you don't want. You, you know, my favorite is taking the car in for a New York State inspection. Because I'm in New York, you're in New Jersey. You can't do a New York State inspection. Right. And, you know, they'll come out and, and look at me and go, you got to have brakes. And, and this is dangerous. It's got to be done now. I look at them and I just go, fail me. Because you've obviously looked at them. And they're nowhere near being a problem and you know it's like so go ahead fail me i i, I don't care you, you know that annoys me that and that actually <laughs> happened two years ago i think to you well that happened two years ago and then uh, this past year they decided uh, it needed a stabilizer bar that uh, you and danny were hanging on in the shop and couldn't move and they said it was loose right yeah i remember that too so bad first date uh, yeah and unfortunately they did yeah. you know unfortunately this is a dealer yeah. and they should know the car, you know what I'm right. saying? Well, you would think. I, I always come back to this, and I think one of the things that's wrong in the auto repair industry is I think it's the method of compensation. And I think in far too many cases that word commission comes into it, and it's ugly. And if somebody needs to buy lawn furniture that weekend, well, guess what? That's what happens. Hey, this is Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. The phone number is 855-560-9900. Let's take a quick call before we take our our first break of the segment. Let's go over and talk to, uh, let's go talk to Tony in Shenandoah, Iowa, line two. Tony, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes. Um, as, as many people, I need to buy a car or want to buy a car for my son, who's away in college about three hours away. Right. And there's a Honda that I'd had my eye on for about 10 years that really I find appealing. It's 19... 89 Honda CRX with 102,000 miles. Right. And I was just wondering if that's something I should stay away from at that age or whether um, 
it, you know, well, Tony, it it's, it, it's just that it's 25 years old. Yeah, I, and, and, I, I know. That's that's why I'm calling you. Right, you know. And, and I, I'm kind of a car guy. I, I like working on cars myself, but my son's not really into it. So. Right. How much do they want for the car? Uh, they want 5000 Okay. Automatic or stick? Five-speed. Okay. So let's say you pay five grand for this car, and six months from now the clutch fails. Has your son ever driven a stick? Uh, no, he hasn't. Okay, so he's a first-time driver. Uh-huh. Right? So, right. So the likelihood of this needing a clutch in six months it m- might be more realistic than we realize. So in six mm-hmm. in six months when it needs a clutch, is it an all-wheel drive CRX? No, it's a it's front-wheel drive. Okay. Only. So if the clutch does fail and it's two grand to put a clutch in it, would you put a clutch in it? Uh, I probably would, yeah. Okay, so now you're into it for seven grand. Mm-hmm. All right. How are the tires on the car? You know, I, I don't know. I haven't taken a good look at it. I've just have been admiring it from a distance for okay. some time. So let's say it needs tires. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It probably needs 500 to to $1,000 worth of widgets. Can we agree on that? Uh, I'd say there's a decent chance of that. Okay, yeah. so now we're up to eight grand. And uh-huh. and my point is that five grand for a 25-year-old car that is going to be three hours away um, here's the barometer by which I want you to measure this. I want okay. you to I want you to take your fingertip, touch your shoulder, and then I want you to extend your arm all the way out. How far is your arm reach? Can it reach three hours away? <laughs> and, and, and that becomes a problem. And I say that in right. jest, but that that becomes an issue. First time driver, young driver, uh, you know that is that's probably going to be in college. I'm assuming that you know we've got to make sure that they're they're having a good experience. They're trying to get an education, not repair an automobile. And for the money we try to save initially, five grand for a 25-year-old car that could have anything wrong with it. And you've got to remember, you've only seen the car from the outside, from the rocker panels up, all right? You want to take a right. look under the car, and you want to see, you know, what does the bottom of the car look like? Rust, corrosion, leaks. Hopefully there's a big enough leak somewhere that prevented any rust and corrosion. But, you know, uh-huh. bottom, bottom line becomes that, to me, it's too old of a car to consider three hours away. If it was, you know, a 25-year-old car, five grand, if it's really worth five grand, I can't even have that conversation in my head. Uh, you know, if it, it was local community college 20 minutes away, completely different conversation. The deal breaker for me is that it's three hours away. The deal breaker for me is that between a clutch and some other things, you could put eight grand out over the next six months. And if that was the case, I'd take that eight grand out of your pocket now, add two to it, spend 10, and just go buy a better car that's half the age. And I think you'd be miles ahead in the long run. Uh, yeah, and and I I was kind of thinking you'd probably say something about it. There. And the thing is, and this is probably a question you can't answer, but being a car guy, I like to drive, and I like my children to drive things that are a little off the wall, things that you don't see all the time. And that's, okay, that's what caught my attention on that. Well, you know, for ten thousand dollars. I don't know what I could buy that. Right. Would well, kind of unique. What does he like? like? What does what he sorry. like, Tony? Does he like the Honda? Uh, he likes the Honda, and he likes what he drove in high school, which was the 1980 RX-7. Okay. Listen, but that's that's a horrible car. Well, but you know the other the other way to look at this too is if if and listen, there's nothing wrong with being a car guy. I'm a car guy, as everybody can tell. And, right. You know, you look at, I have an eclectic fleet myself, and 
if driving that Honda is going to make them feel good and you can deal with the repairs and you can deal with the fact that your arm doesn't reach three hours away, buy it. Just be prepared to spend the money on it. In that case, when I looked at the car as a mechanic, the first things I'm going to look at is I want to know, was the timing belt ever done? What kind of shape is the undercarriage in? What kind of condition are the brake and the fuel lines in? What sort of rust is there around the fuel tank and the filler neck? Those were all common things to be a problem on that model year Honda. And then uh-huh. just be prepared that you're going to spend a bit of money over the course of over the course of time. Hang on one second. Harry's got a comment. Harry, jump in here real quick. Yeah, and I would also mention being able to find parts. Remember that gentleman who called right. two months ago and he couldn't right. find the simplest part for that that eighty six Civic or whatever it was right. he had. Yeah. Remember and, that guy and, and, and starting his father's yeah. car? And that's that's the other uh, issue, Tony. Is that um, you know what's parts availability? And yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's it's kind of a question years I wanted to right. ask you too. You know, we had a we had a customer real quick in the shop this week with a '96 Geo that needed a seatbelt, and you can't get a seatbelt from anybody for a '96 Geo. Geo. Uh-huh. So that ended that conversation. Tony, I got to go. I'm up against the clock. Let us know what you decide. Send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com, or give us another call. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. By the way, we're just sitting here chatting on the side, and my chief engineer, Tom Ray, and I are talking about when his daughter comes back from college this Christmas, how uh, she's going to come down, and I'm going to have to give her the how-to-change-a-tire lesson. And I said to Tom... Yeah, just have her wear uh, shorts and uh, and sandals, and uh, you know we can watch her bleed and drop things on her foot and right, all that good right, stuff, and right. learn why you don't travel like I, that. I, I still think we need to get that as a national campaign: teach a kid to change a flat tire, because I just think it's so gosh darn important. I remember the one kid, uh, the one uh, young man I I we taught the last one I taught to change a flat tire, and he was wearing those those shorts and the sandals, and I just and he's going to college and somewhere in the middle of New York State, upper New York State, and I just. Dirty knees and cuts, and he was like, "Boy, he goes, this is and, tough." And it was funny because the uh, conversation keyed off the last phone call with with, with your thing about the, uh, the the kid being three years away, with, or right. three hours away with his car. My daughter's six and a half hours away, right. and and we gave her my old car with with one hundred eighty five thousand miles. But you know the condition of it; right. it's in a, it's in good shape. Right? Yeah, it is. It's, um, but anyway, so I think we got to get that going again. Teach a kid to change a flat. Let's get over and see what we can do for Chris on line one, Long Island, New York, oh six Honda Accord. Chris, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? How can help? I had uh, some dealership problems. Went to the top-rated one. I did my research first and uh, had to have uh, airbag infl- inflators done and a transmission reprogram. These are all uh, recalls, recalls yeah. when I went to Honda yeah. and looked up. Uh, okay, I also said, you know what? I have a, this car has 45,000 miles. i got to come and answer. It's in really nice shape. I'm like, you know what? Let me get some service done. I want to get an oil change, new drain plugs. So they know that's, uh, I want to have uh, antifreeze, flush, new heater hoses, new thermostat, and I also want to have uh, spark plugs done. Even though it's a low-mile car, it's 10 years old. I know I hear you yep. say things ease up in that. So S- steel plugs and aluminum heads don't get along. And also yep. uh, transmission service. Yep, yep. So what, say, look, I'm at a Honda dealer. I know they have all the right parts and the right fluids. Right. So what happened? Okay, I get a phone call in the afternoon. Uh, yes, you know, you need a big rear brake job. Uh, you have a frozen caliper. Not that I noticed that. 
is, okay, well, one of the things I did comment is when I dropped the car off, I wanted all my old parts. In New York State, they have to do that. And with the phone authorization, they, you don't even have to ask them to save the parts. They have to have the parts available unless it's a warranty part or a, a core charge. They have to have your own parts for you. Right. Well, when I went to pick my car up, they said everything is good. And uh, the only parts when I go to leave, the only parts are in the car are the spark plugs. Nothing else. No hoses, no nothing. Well, my problem is after uh, trying to explain that I would like my parts back, Okay, the uh, uh, service tech apologizes. I'm sorry, it is written down, but I, it's not my fault. They didn't save them. Well, according to New York State law, they have to save these well, parts. Let me, let me and ask now you. I questioned whether I... Go ahead. Excuse me? I was going to say... I, but... I questioned whether I truly needed this rear brake job. I know they did it, but I don't think I needed a brake job. Mm-hmm. And I have no evidence. There's no written down. The pads are worn. Uh, you couldn't turn the wheel. Not, no, no extent on brake life or brake pad life or even a dirty wheel. Have you? Who have you talked? I who have you talked to? Technician who, to uh, I'll pay for everything except the brake job. I don't think I needed it. Right. Oh, I can't do that. Who have you talked to at the and dealership, Chris? Besides the service writer, have you talked to the service manager? I have. And what did he say? Couldn't, he wouldn't come back out. Uh, I complained to him about charging, overcharging me by seventy dollars. If I pulled up and got the part from Honda at his office right there, it would have been seventy dollars less than he wanted to charge me. So when I picked up the car right away, complained about it. I'm like, you know, it's not right. I paid, I didn't even ask for a brake job or anything. I'm not up for inspection, and I didn't know they were going to do some kind of free brake check. They didn't tell me what my front brakes looked like. Right. right. So I really questioned, and his, I couldn't get in touch with him all week. He wouldn't come back out. He wouldn't come out back when I had no parts. And he, I, he, I could not get in touch with him all week long. Chris, what do you have? The following week, what do you... I gave him one last try to say, I'll pay for everything except the brake job. And his comment was, are you threatening me? I don't know. I'm not threatening you, but now I'm going to DMV. Yeah, that's well. That, that's I where I was going to go with this. Filled out. Right. Um, I would. And I would register a complaint up. In, I would register a complaint up in Albany. Let me ask you this, Chris. What do you have as far as documentation? I'll tell you what. Before you answer that question, I have. I have. Go ahead. I have their stuff. I have the notes that I brought the car in with, where it says save parts on their thing. It does say to save parts, and I had no parts returned to me. So let me and ask I you the, that. I don't need the great job. Was was this a was this a good or a bad first date? Oh, this is a horrible first date. Yeah. I figured if I spent five or six hundred bucks, I'd have been pretty clear, and I wouldn't have, you know, right. like I said, I wanted Honda stuff put in the car. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, listen, the best answer I've got is... first date. Yeah, bad first date, like I was talking at the top of the hour. Uh, the best thing I can tell you is just follow through with your paperwork up in Albany. It is the obligation of the repair shop if you request parts. They do have to hang on to them. I believe you are correct. That is their mistake. Let us know how it turns out. Chris, I'm Ron Andy and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Car Doctor, real quick reminder, next weekend, Labor Day weekend, Saturday, September 5th, we're going to be up at the Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Party in Mawa, New Jersey at the Sheridan Crossroads, broadcasting this radio show live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The whole crew's going to be there, Fast Harry, Tom, Big Tony, and a couple other extras, along with Black 2, we're going to drag the hot rod out, weather permitting. Um, I don't think we're going to bring it if it snows or rains, and I doubt it's going to snow, so that only is one other reason why it won't be there. But um, we're going to drag the hot rod up and uh, have a good time. It's a great weekend about hot rods and vendors and funny cars and all sorts of things, bands. They've got all kinds of entertainment going on up there. So if you're in the area of Mawa, New Jersey next weekend, September, I think that's the 4th, 5th, and 6th, 
Uh, you want to get out to the Wild Hot Rod Party over there with folks over at Dead Man's Curve. Real quick piece of email. Hey, Ron, I've got a 2014 Ford Explorer with the heavy-duty brake package. It's real nice, good trim, good wheels, and I need to get the brakes done. My only complaint with the vehicle is that the brakes are blah. What is blah? Oh, he says boring. Boring, blah, boring. Okay, got it. Joe from Morristown, New Jersey. Is there anything in addition? He says, is there anything I can do to dress up the brakes? Uh, he said, beyond getting a normal brake repair done, he said, I understand about the quality of brake pads, but I, he- I heard you recently talking about, okay, he heard me recently talking about things to do to make brakes look better and more attractive through factory wheels. What was that all about? Joe, you're referencing the conversation we had about Cardone and Cardone Ultra brake calipers, and you can find out more at Cardone.com. And if you recall, the conversation with Cardone was about how they've done some pretty extensive research into powder coating and making brake calipers more appealing. So if you're driving something, as many cars today, the wheels are more open, even with factory wheels, that you see more of the brake assembly. The idea behind it is the Cardone brake calipers give you a nicer finish, a cleaner finish, and it is more of a polished look to the brake assembly. So you're looking for information from Cardone.com. You want to inquire about their ultra-premium brake calipers and uh, what they can do for that Ford Explorer, as well as all the other vehicles out there on the road. Let's get back to the phones. Let's go over to Kirby from Maryville with a 2005 Chevy, Maryville, Missouri. That looks like, I'm sorry, 2005 Chevy, and some questions about oil. Kirby, welcome to the car, Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, hey, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Thanks for waiting. What can I do for you? I have an 05 Chevy 2500 HD, and it has the uh, 8.1 liter big block engine in it. Yep. And those usually around... 1500 miles or so um it'll lose a little bit of oil and i've always just been told that's a nature so i started using um lucas heavy duty heavy duty engine stabilizer engine oil stabilizer right um and my question is we've been talking about going to all synthetic oil would you still need to use like the lucas with the synthetic oil or not There is an argument going on in the industry right now because so many manufacturers are having issues with oil consumption. And it's not that Chevrolet is among that list or General Motors in general, this particular line of vehicle, but I first want to address the conversation about thinner or thicker oil. And a lot of the conventional thinking is if the engine's burning oil, put thicker oil in it, right, Kirby? I mean, I'm sure that's what you've heard. You know, you want to to thicken up the viscosity, right? The issue is, on some vehicles, and more than some, it's it's becoming quite a few, they're running very low-tension rings, especially the oil ring. And the problem is, extended oil drain intervals, they're finding, are creating issues with varnish and sludge buildup inside the engine. That's one of the reasons why the better oil manufacturers, among them Pennzoil, and that's, that's sort of the basis for the Pennzoil uh, platinum plus line of synthetic oils where they're actually creating cleaner oil from a purer base stock they're working to reduce sludge in the engine that's the idea where that came from um, so part of this problem may not be that you can run a thicker oil to cut down on your oil consumption it may be that you're masking what could be a sludged up or varnished up oil ring does that make sense yes so the next step is it may not be should you run lucas with whatever synthetic you go to, but it may be that you want to run a very high cleansing synthetic for a couple of oil changes to see if that frees up 
the varnish that may exist around the oil rings itself. The the the, the, okay. the, the, the problem becomes that making the oil thicker when you don't need to, you can create wear issues on a cold engine, high load, towing, trailering, you know, that that kind of thing, snow plowing, depending on what you're doing with the vehicle. So, okay. you know, it's, it's I would tell you, like I tell everybody, if you're looking for something in the way of a good quality synthetic, first call, take a look at the Pennzoil. You can get at the MotorOilReimagined.com. I was never so impressed as I was two years ago when I went to the press release here in New York City and saw the story of how they came to be with that and created the idea of the Platinum Pure Plus. And I still remember standing there talking to the chemists about the whole idea they create the base stock from natural gas. And um, it, it really is fascinating. And that's why if you're going to go with a synthetic and you've got this particular issue, you're looking for something that will clean the engine. Pennzoil is the first stop that I would take a look at. All right, sir? All right. Thank All right. you for your uh, help with this. You're welcome, Kirby. Let us know how it works out for you. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. Back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Now live in New York on WRCR Rockland. So if you're a podcaster in New York and you want to talk to us live, you pick up the phone, 855-560-9900. Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, that's when this radio show is live. And you can give us a call and talk to us. If you are in another part of the country on an affiliate that is not live, and that's okay, too, or you're podcasting, or you're via TuneIn, or iHeart, or iTunes, however you're taking this radio show, and you want to talk to us, if you call 855-560-9900 and leave a message, Fast Harry will call you back. There is a message service attached to that, and we can call you back and get you in queue for the next live broadcast and talk to you up here on air. Let's get over to the phones and talk to James with a 2006 Ford F-150 and some running issues. James, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, yes, sir. Working on a 2006 Ford F-150, okay. uh, 4.2 liter. Right. It's uh, got a little hesitation, and uh, pretty much everybody in town's touched it, and they can't figure it out yet. Okay. Is this this is the 4.2 V6, James? Yes, sir. Check engine light on? Yes, sir. Trouble codes? Uh, I don't have them with me. Uh, they're on the toolbox at the shop. Um, do you think maybe misfire fault? Was a misfire fault among them? Yes, sir. We don't know. Put a coil on it. Yeah. Uh, six new wires, six new plugs. Yeah, it's not going to be that. Um, it's not going to be that. Um, anybody do any work to the EGR or consider that? Uh, I did. I got online the other day, and I was looking at that deal there, and I ran a few tests on it, you know, and I couldn't really tell a difference on it. Right. Um, what did you do? Disconnect the EGR, disconnect the vacuum line to the EGR valve and see if the problem went away? Correct. 
Right. Yeah. The, the issue here, and I'm, you're, you're aware of it. Let me just make the listeners. The, the way they distribute EGR on this particular engine is there are pintle holes in the intake runners, and they feed EGR through a passage. And what happens is the passages get carboned up, so it will dump all of the EGR or excess EGR into whatever pintles are open. What typically happens is it gets down to the last two or one, and now you're force-feeding six cylinders worth of exhaust gas and trying to recirculate it through one or two cylinders doesn't make for a, a great deal in the way that the vehicle is going to operate. So what they end up, the ramification or what the cure is, is pulling the upper intake plenum off and cleaning out the passages and reassembling. You, they've probably got you chasing fuel trim, James. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. Sir. Um, do you remember what fuel trim was? Long term, short term, high, low, no difference. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. Uh, right. But yeah, that's what that's what I told the customer. You know that. Uh, the, you know, we really need to pull that intake off there and yeah. check it out. And I'm I'm in agreement. You know, you're going to do this one of a couple of ways. You're either going to pull the intake off and clean it out and be sure, because I'm sure this is a higher mileage vehicle. It's ten years old. Uh, you know, or at the very least, you're going to clear all the codes. I don't know, maybe you've done this. Clear all the codes, disconnect the EGR valve, and see how the vehicle runs. If the vehicle runs good, but an EGR fault comes back, you'll know why. The valve's not connected. Then it's a then it's a real good indicator that, all right, so with no EGR flow, the engine is physically capable of operating, and this isn't something external from EGR. Have you tried that yet? Uh, no, sir. Try that. That that'll sometimes. Okay. I mean, you know, listen. I'm like you. Yeah, it's EGR. Let's pull the intake. Yeah, uh, you know what? Sometimes you got to go that extra step and do a little diagnosis. And um, you know, one thing you may try is just make a pass engine warmed up, EGR operating. Take a look at fuel trim. Try and record it. What sort of scan tool are you using, James? Uh, yeah, so you can record in that. Take a look at your yep. fuel trims. Take a look at O2 sensors. See where they're going. And then disconnect the EGR and see if it makes any change. And then after you find out that, yes, it's an EGR code, no more misfire, truck runs good, et cetera, et cetera, then when you pull the intake off, clean everything up, then go for another drive, and maybe you'll see a difference in fuel trims. And, you know, I say this no other way, but, you know, maybe you'll learn something. You'll see something different, and you'll go, aha, that's the tip, that's the clue, that's how I'll know what it is the next time. You know, but as much as I like to record and graph things, seat of the pants diagnosis. If I take this out of the system, does the problem go away? Yeah, well, then that's the problem. And I would chase it like that for EGR. All right? So um, let's, let's, let's leave it there. There's a bunch of other things we could talk about, but let's leave it there and see what that gets you. And if you're still working on this next week, you uh, – well, actually, you can't talk to me next week. I'm sorry. We're going to be on a remote. But uh, you call me the week after. We'll, we'll get it fixed for you. All right, kiddo? All right. I'll give, yes, sir. I'll give you a shout back and let you know what we found. Let me know what you find. All right. You take good care. Yep. So let's uh, let's real quick go over to Roger out in – I think that's Iowa. Wants to talk about uh, – I'm not sure here. Yeah, Roger. How can I help you, sir? How are you doing? Good, sir. One more man. Yes, sir. My name's Roger. I'm from Creston, Iowa. And I just wanted to say that uh, I love your show, okay? Oh, a fan. Uh, I appreciate it because I listen to it all the time. I um, I appreciate that, Roger. I really do. You know, it's uh, sometimes it's long days behind the microphone, and um, 
it's nice to hear it from one or from many, but it's always nice to hear that people appreciate what we're trying to do and just uh, help people understand their cars and, you know, get them serviced properly and keep them safe. I really mean that. I. Yes, sir. I think we lost Roger. Oh, okay. Hey, Roger, listen, I'm sorry. Hey, some, Harry? Some sort of technical... Yeah, no. uh, you know, how many times have I told you not to have Ron's relatives call the show? There you go. So I knew you guys were paying somebody to say that because um, you know it didn't sound like my mom, so I didn't think uh, I didn't think it could be anybody else. But hey, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor, blushing a little bit, and uh, I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Danny and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. If you want to give us a call, leave a message fast. Harry, we'll call you back. We're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, Harry, I know you're listening. For everybody else out there, not next week. Next week, we're going to be at the Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Party at the Sheridan Crossroads in Mawa, New Jersey. We'll actually be there broadcasting the show. We'll be doing a live remote, another Car Doctor road trip. Tom will be there, Big Tony, Fast Harry, myself. I guess I have to come. What else? What fun would it be without me? And uh, we're going to drag the hot rod out. Black will be there. Danny will be there guarding the hot rod. And um, a few others we're going to put security on. But um, the following week, I want to say it publicly here. Harry, I want you to reach out to our friend Sonny from the Tire Warehouse in Spring Valley, New York. And I want him to come on and talk a little bit about that last caller from New York with the Honda and do you have to give parts back He'll know New York State law. He's a New York State auto repair shop, and uh, they're very competent and very honest over there. He will, um, he'll have the inside scoop on that. I think that would be a good call to find out what is exact procedure in New York. So, uh, Harry, you're nodding your head yes, that you'll take care of that. You'll call Sonny. Okay, cool. So we'll do that in two weeks. Um, a couple of closing thoughts and comments. We had a call this hour from Kirby in Missouri, I believe it was, and we were talking about oil consumption. And... Uh, you know, I'm not sure if he liked my answer, understood my answer, or agreed with my answer, but the rest of that conversation about after you make the switch to Pennzoil Synthetic, if he wants to do something else and put the Lucas in afterwards, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But you always follow some sort of industry protocol first. I had gone to dinner a couple of weeks ago with a friend who's a service writer, service manager, I'm sorry, in a local Toyota dealer, and we were having a conversation about oil issues. And his words to me were, too many people are changing oil by the manufacturer's light. This is from the service manager of a Toyota dealer. The longer oil change intervals, I wrote it down verbatim, the longer oil change intervals are proving to create consumption issues in some vehicles because of baked and varnished oil in the rings, poor oil control, which leads to consumption. He said it would be cheaper to change the oil by time or mileage in the long run, and the car companies would get better service image as far as how good their product really is. I, I wrote that down. It's sitting right here in front of me. Tom, nod your head, right? That's There it is. Um, you know, so that's that's a direct quote from a guy who's in the field every day dealing with the right, dealing with the longer oil change intervals that uh, the new car companies, that the car companies are creating for the cars. So, you know, it's staggering. Um, real quick tidbit. We talk about Denso here on the show and Denso TT spark plugs and all that Denso brings to the table. Well, you know, they're more than spark plugs. Uh, recent press release, Denso has 
you know, improve their line of AC compressors. They've increased the numbers of parts. And the press releases, Denso is a leader in the development of innovative compressor technology. As the largest supplier of AC compressors in the world, their OE experience and know-how ensures Denso aftermarket products provide unmatched performance, reliability, and ease of installation you expect from Denso. This year, we've added 14 new part numbers to their program. Denso AC compressors. They now cover 6 million vehicles in over 200 applications. That increases their total offerings to 576 part numbers. Think about that. And that's one of the reasons that the car doctor likes Denso as a part brand, because they're OE on so many levels, and they're working harder to uh, keep it up. And uh, the car doctor gives you a tip of the wrench and says, thanks for doing your job. You make my job easier. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anini and the car doctor reminding you, see you at Dead Man's Curve. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. Everyone.